Feel good? I don't know, I've said this like eight times. You guys are definitely feeling good. I'm feeling great. Okay, we've got two awesome guests today. First of all, welcome to episode 10. Have we doubled mm-hmm. digits now? Which is that's exciting. Um, we've got two awesome guests today. We're taping this on, uh, what day is it today? Today, Wednesday? We're almost a week out of Thanksgiving. and We've got two best cousins in the entire universe, Zachary and Jacob Jennings, two brothers. Thank you guys for joining today. Man, well, what an introduction. Thank you for having us. Honored to be on the pod. Thank you so much, Alex. So excited to be here. First it, time on a podcast, by the way. You know what? I guarantee you it will not be the last because this, <laughs> this is a historic day for the podcast, and I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, let's start with, it's pretty topical. We're not even a week out of Thanksgiving yet. Any highlights from the Thanksgiving, you know, Black Friday, Sunday football, Cyber Monday, all that stuff. Any, any, what is your biggest highlight of the last week or so? All right. Well, I mean, there's only one thing that comes to mind, and that's Michigan demolishing Ohio State on Saturday. Arguably, uh, not just a, one of the best Michigan games I have ever seen. That had to be one of the best performances in all of college football. I could not agree more, and I think that'd be a tough one to top. Zach, do you have a, a answer to rival that? Well, I, I definitely could. What, what's the opposite of could not agree more? I could agree more. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's fair. I could agree more. It was a great game by Michigan. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> but uh, my personal opinion, I think the Michigan-Michigan State game of 2021 was the greatest college football game I had seen in a while. okay (laughs) no that's fair that's a fair take no but michigan michigan played their hearts out um and you know seeing ohio lose is always fantastic so right i'm glad we're all Mm -hmm. but uh as for the thanksgiving weekend i would say i'm gonna go for thanksgiving then black friday if that's okay sure yeah all right so thanksgiving itself i'm a big thanksgiving food guy so I was, I was in heaven. Um, just great, great food at Uncle Todd's house and all just, just good vibes. I broke my nose earlier that day. Well, I didn't break it, but yes, you did. I, I severely hurt my nose. So that could put a damper on things. But uh, the whole Thanksgiving day was fun. And then Black Friday, as a graduation gift for myself, I'm getting myself a parka. Oh, nice. And That's exciting. I'm, I'm a little nervous because, you know, I don't know if I can pull off the parka look. So hey, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. If anybody can do it, I have full faith that you can. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Guys, can, can I pause for one second? Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't realize you're out there. I think John left and locked the door. That's my bad. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I didn't oh, want to interrupt you the cousins, man. Huh? Dude, come here for a second. Get over here. Dude, is it a podcast with my cousins right now? What was that? What's, What's up, man? Oh, Jacob. Hello. How's it going? What's going on? Not much. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Dude, we're putting this in, man. This is right, awesome. keep it, keep it. <laughs> look at clock it, clock it. What's going on here? We're we're doing a podcast episode. Right oh here. no way! Yeah. Oh. Thanks for joining, Alex. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, leave it. All right, let's go. <laughs> Amazing. Two Alexes right here. I know. It doesn't get any better than this. Okay. All right. Well, going off of what Jacob said, we might as well just kind of dive into the most recent sports event of interest: the game, right? Michigan thumped Ohio State. Final score, 45-23 in Columbus, in the shoe. 
the horseshoe, I think is what it's called. Uh, anyway, it's two years in a row now. We've seen all the fun facts. It's been 22 years since Michigan beat Ohio State at Ohio State. It's been 22 years since I think we beat Ohio State in back-to-back seasons. And now Michigan has a date with Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, which is awesome because we're going, which is really exciting. So I guess the first thing I want to bring up is the fact that Michigan kind of controls their own destiny in the sense that obviously if they win, they're going to be in the college football playoff. It's overwhelmingly likely that if they lose, they will still be in the college football playoff, although the seeding could change depending on what TCU does and maybe what USC does. So, Jacob, as a University of Michigan super fan, what were your takeaways from that absolute B-town that took place this past Saturday? Well, I think the first thing is that Michigan is a way better team than anyone had previously realized. I mean, you look at uh, the pregame shows from the major networks and pretty much every single uh, guy chose Ohio State to win. The only two people who chose Michigan to win was Fox Noon Kickoff's Charles Woodson, Michigan alum, and ESPN's Desmond Howard, also a Michigan alum. Yeah, so it's an interesting pattern there. Yep. Are those and, both Heisman winners, right? Are they both win the Heisman? Both Heisman winners. Yeah, it's just greatness, man. What can you say? Yep. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, I I think what really surprised me was just the complete 180 of Michigan's offense. All season long, their entire offense has kind of been centered around a, a star running back, Blake Corum, who, of course, uh, Uh, was injured in the Illinois game and didn't play all that much in uh, the game. And I think what happened was that, you know, after just running the ball down their opponent's throats all season, I mean, now Jim Harbaugh and the offensive coordinators at Moore and Weiss, I believe, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we got to think of a different game plan here. Now we got to start throwing the ball, passing the ball. And what I think is so interesting is that, you know, again, when uh, Ohio State watches the film, you know, when they watch us, all they see is the run game. You know, J.J. um, McCarthy looked, you know, very subpar when it came to passing. But, you know, keep in mind, we ran the ball more than we threw the ball. So when it came time for uh, the big day, J.J. starts passing the ball and Ohio state doesn't know what to do because they expect Michigan to run the ball all the time. And I think it was Ohio state getting caught off guard. And, 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 and of course, of, of course, Michigan played an incredible game, but yeah, I think that's really uh, uh, just kind of what won them at the entire thing. You know, Michigan was just able to outsmart and outcoach uh, Ohio state through and through. Yeah, I love that you brought that up, Jake, because I was listening to the Joel Klatt podcast. You guys know Joel Klatt? He's like the, he, he called the Michigan Ohio State game. And he was talking about how, because obviously Michigan had a ton of really big passing plays where they just, the, the, it was like a busted play for the Ohio State defense, but people were wide open and JJ just made the right throws. Um, and it was the fact that Ohio State's defense was so focused on stopping Michigan's run attack that they had their safeties kind of almost using to stack the box. And in that case, they're just forced to play man coverage. And if the Michigan receiver beats the Ohio State corner, there's no one back to help. So if, if Michigan's receivers win their matchups, it's like a touchdown automatically. 
And that's exactly what happened like on four separate occasions. So pretty much what happened was that happened in the first half. And then the Ohio State defense didn't adjust, whether that's on the defensive coordinator, whether it came up from up top, Ryan Day wanted to stick with man coverage. And they wanted to keep preventing the Michigan offense from utilizing that run attack. It, it didn't work. And it resulted in a ton of these explosive plays. So Zach, my question for you is kind of on the other side of the ball for Michigan, because their defense was really good in this game, at least when it had to be. I think the highlight of the game was when it was when Mike, I don't even know how to say his name, dude, Sandra still, he had that pass breakup in the end zone. It's one of the best defensive plays I've seen period college football, NFL football. It was amazing. I, I couldn't, I mean, it was, it resulted in an Ohio state field goal that felt like such a letdown. Like it, it like it completely altered the game. It, it would have brought the, the score, I think within three points. So massive, massive play. The Michigan defense did what they had to do. So, you know, what did Michigan do so great? If, to me, it felt like C.J. Stroud had all day to throw, but why was Michigan able to kind of have this great defensive performance, at least, you know, for, especially in the second half? Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you say about uh, – is, is it Sandstrill? Is that right? Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, – yeah. Jake, Sandra you know it better than me. I, yeah, Sandra Still. Yeah, yeah, Sandra Still. Okay, when I, when I watched that play, I was like, the Lions better take this guy. He's so Yeah, good. man, seriously. I was in love with that. No, but I think what you said about the adjustments, I think – even though C.J. Stroud, Stroud had all day to throw the ball, I do think Michigan was able to adjust their defense in the second half because uh, they didn't score any points in the second half, did they? They wow, scored State? three second-half points. Three second-half points, yeah. Brutal. So a big credit to the defensive coordinator, uh, Michigan, and um, Jim Harbaugh you know, for coming up with those. And I've, I've been in the horseshoe before, and it is not an easy environment to play in, so – I, I do have to give respect to Michigan for not only just winning, but stomping on Ohio State. Yeah, it was such an amazing performance. And then the last thing I wanted to, to quickly touch on with the Ohio State offense and the Michigan defense as well is, so we're talking about how C.J. Stroud had all day to throw. So you have all day to throw, and Ohio State has these crazy receivers, right? If you have, Then they're going to make something happen, right? You have Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's like far and away the best receiver in football, one, one of the best players in college football. I mean, Marvin Harrison's his dad. He's going to definitely be the guy's elite, right? But then all the plays, like C.J. Stroud, at least from what I could tell when I was watching, he'd have like six seconds to throw, which is a crazy amount of time in, in terms of football. And the, the pocket never even collapsed. He just stood in the pocket and didn't deliver the ball. But it was always on like curls. and Everything was kind of in front of the first down marker. There were none of these huge plays down the field. I think pretty much what Michigan was doing is letting their corners play play some man, but keeping the safeties back, saying you're not going to get any big-time plays. And if you're going to catch the ball before the first-time marker, you're going to have to break a tackle to make something happen. And sure, it happened a few times. And Marvin Harrison had that one huge touchdown play. You know, they broke the defense down. But for the most part, Michigan just, you know, forced Ohio State to nickel and dime them down the field, and they just could not do it on a consistent basis. I was I was really, really impressed. Jake, this is a big day for, for, uh, for you, man. I feel like you've been waiting for this, this Michigan team to really – kind of vault into the elite of the elite. They got close last year and this year, it looks like they're, they're ready to take the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know I just got done praising Michigan's offense, but also like, I, I can't believe I would ever forget it. Michigan's defense. They honestly did a perfect job. I mean, Jesse mentor, Jesse mentor, remember his name. All right. God, I love that. <laughs> A lot of stars on this defense, man. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I wanted to ask you, as a certified Michigan hater, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as a Michigan State alum and as someone who, you know, obviously wants to see Michigan State succeed when those teams are pitted against each other, 
this team, the Michigan team that just beat Ohio State, has changed so much since that Michigan-Michigan State game that you know brought us all Tan Arbor on, on what was a great Saturday. In the mm-hmm. sense that the biggest change is Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards was, I don't think they joke that Donovan Edwards and, and Blake Corum is like lightning and lightning instead of thunder and lightning because they're both kind of similar backs that still are able to complement each other. But in that game against uh, against Michigan or against Michigan State, Donovan Edwards carried the ball 10 times. Blake Corum carried the ball 33 times, right? That's not an even split, right? But, you know, Donovan Edwards is the change of pace guy. Blake Corum is the workhorse. That was obviously not the case yesterday. And sure, injury plays a role in the fact that Blake didn't get a lot of carries. But, you know, Michigan was also just a more run-heavy team when they played against Michigan State. I looked it up. They averaged just over 11 yards per reception on passing plays against Michigan State, which is that's pretty low. They averaged over, I think, over 20 against Ohio State. So my question is, how has this Michigan team changed since they demolished Michigan State? This is a great question, man. Um, but what, so what you said about the the run game being so important because last year Kenneth Walker was is very apparent this year, but Kenneth Walker for Michigan State was the entire team, right? <laughs> um, and this year, for a while, it seemed like Michigan's running backs, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, were the entire team. So the fact that Michigan was able to Kind of, uh, even though even Blake Corn was out for the game, they were able to adjust and make big plays in the receivers or with with passing plays. With the the run game is so important, especially in college football, and the fact that they were able to pass so well, I think is really what made the difference from the Michigan State game to this point in the season. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because you know you know what Michigan is. It's the Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. offensive style. They're going to run the ball. It's mm-hmm. can they make the passing plays when it matters and. That really brings us kind of to this next point. We talked about Sandra Stone, the defense. We talked about Corum. We talked about Edwards. We talked about some Ohio State players. J.J. McCarthy was the X factor in this game. He was the reason that Michigan was able to kind of blow the top off of everything. And, you know, the, every time someone talked about when we made the change to replace Kane McNamara, you know, I think he was uh, third team all Big Ten last year, second team, you know, really good player. He didn't turn the ball over last year. He beat Ohio State. He, we were Big Ten champions. We lost to like, really what was a better Georgia team in the college football playoff. He couldn't have asked for a better season from that guy. Yet we replaced him, and it's all, oh, J.J. has the upside. J.J. is so athletic. J.J. is so – he has like rocket for an arm, right? He has all these cool attributes. And that K just doesn't have the physical capacity to make the same kind of throat that J.J. has. So I went, I went to the numbers of like the first seven games, next few games, and what I found is that first seven games of the season – Multiple of which were like the cupcakes of all cupcakes. We're talking like Colorado State, uh, I think UConn, Hawaii. Are you kidding me? Right. You know, so of course his stats are going to be inflated, but he went 111 for 144, which is 77% completion percentage, which would easily lead the nation. Right. So since then, so the, the following few games after the first seven, in which the competition has gotten tougher, although really not that much tougher at Michigan State and Penn State, other than that, it was really just kind of some like eh teams. His completion percentage plummeted. He completed 66 of 127 passes, right? That's just under 52% completion percentage. That would put JJ at 128th in the country, just behind everyone's favorite quarterback, Gavin uh, Gavin Hardison out of University of Texas at El Paso. I, I, I just went to the rankings and like, if, who is that guy? What is University of Texas El Paso? I've never even heard of that school. Career defined a game. JJ still went 12 for 24. He completed 12 passes. He went 50% completion percentage, which continues to trend the last few games of just, you know, a roughly 50% rate of completing his passes, half his passes end up hitting the field, hitting the ground. 
Jacob, does it bother you that our guy under center is completing roughly half of his passes? You know, kind of. I mean, when he first came to Michigan, we were promised a lot of things that, you know, that he would be the guy. And, uh, you know, during the Ohio State game, you know, he he was that guy. I mean, let's let's be real. He he, he was that guy. But, you know, then you look at the other perspective of, like you said, uh, 50 percent of your, your, uh, your sorry, your completions. You know, I feel like you might need it just to make a couple of completions to really turn a, a game around. I mean, I will say, like, especially during the first half of the Ohio State game, the box score doesn't really tell uh, the whole story. You know, I mean, if it, let's say you only throw the ball three times, but all three of those times are are touchdowns, it's like, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you were saying, Jake, if, you complete 12 passes, but for it's for like 270 yards. You know, we could be okay with some completion incompletions here and there. But Zach, this next question is for you. Is that is that good enough? Is that good enough to win a playoff game and potentially win a national championship? We saw Stetson Bennett last year, who's like a really good quarterback, but I don't think people are talking about him being, you know, a, a perennial pro bowler in the NFL. Like he's he's just good enough to kind of be like sort of a game manager for what is a stacked Georgia roster and pretty much every other part of the field. Now, J.J.'s not a game manager. He's got the crazy athleticism. He's got the huge arm. But in terms of just getting the job done is, you know, the fact that he's not completing a ton of his passes is the fact that he can still be good for multiple game-changing huge plays. Is that enough for Michigan to to make a deep run here? Another great question, Alex. My thing is Michigan's 12-0. and Even though J.J. McCarthy isn't completing every pass, they're undefeated right now. I don't think it's... It's not a, it's not great, but I don't think it's as alarming as people think it might be, because you know you, you can't be twelve and zero, and if you're playing as poorly as not as poorly, but you know, not as elevated as JJ McCarthy should be like playing, I guess. Um, it's not worrisome to me that he isn't completing, he isn't completing all the passes that he's throwing. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I don't want to like establish this narrative that I'm like criticizing JJ after like the, the best game of his life because you know? <laughs> it was awesome. And I think I think the way he's playing, and like you said, Michigan's twelve and zero. They just beat the, what was the number two team in the country, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what JJ's doing right now will be good enough to make them a very competitive team against you know any of the team in the playoff, even Georgia, um, if they if they do end up playing Georgia at some point in the playoffs. But you know, I, I don't want to be you know, oh, I want more, I want more, I want more, but. At the end of the day, you know, the fact that despite the incompletions, J.J. has not been turning the ball over, which is really the most important thing, is keeping the football, which is what Cade did such a great job of last year. So I think the fact that J.J. can do so much with his legs, that he has the ability to throw just bombs that few quarterbacks in college football, even the best of the best, have the capability of doing, is enough to easily compensate for the fact that a lot of the footballs he he throws ends up up hitting the turf. So I'm excited for J.J. I think he's got a lot to – Lot to to more to accomplish this season after already doing so much this season. Um, let's just real quick predictions, Zach and Jake. Let's assume you know Big Ten championship stuff happens. Let's say Michigan stays put; they stay number two. Georgia's one. Uh, USC. Let's say TCU ends up at three, and then you know USC or Ohio State's four. Where do you think Michigan? Do you think they win the first game? Do you think they win a Natty? What happens here in the next couple of weeks? I think um, so. If we're two and TCU is three then we'll face TCU. 
honestly, I think we can beat TCU. I mean, they've had a couple of close calls uh, this season too. Like there was a last second field goal uh, against Baylor. You know, they were, they were this close. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I mean, honestly, this probably is the best Michigan football team in the last 25 years. I mean, probably since the 97 national championship team. And uh, going back to what you said about like, you know, like, can this team win a natty, you know, because, you know, uh, JJ's only been uh, uh, throwing a 50% completion. I, I will say, I think a team that is versatile, you know, if, you know, like if your passing game isn't great uh, or, or your passing game, you know, it's drops during a game and you can still run the ball. Or, you know, if the run game stops, like when Blake Corum got injured and then you got to up, up the ante on the passing, you know, I think having options, you know, being able to throw the ball, being able to run the ball, if you can do anything on the football field and do it well, you'll win. And from what I saw, Michigan, they can run the ball and they can pass the ball when they need to. So, yeah, I, I think we can beat TCU. And if we do, then we have to face Georgia. I, most likely, we'll face Georgia in the Natty. Honestly, I think Georgia is just—they're going to be a, a really tough matchup. It—it it might not be as, um, as bad of a game as it was last time when we faced them, but I think that's that's probably where Michigan's run ends. But hey, but listen, uh, again, I would love to be proven wrong. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. Um, I think you guys beat TCU, no problem. Uh, Michigan's a very impressive team. Also, one thing I want to say real quick, I thought the Michigan defense last year was insane. You know, you had Hutchinson, you had Ojabo, you had uh, Daxon Hill, I think that's his name. Like, I didn't think there was a chance the defense was going to be as good as it was last year. I feel like it's almost – it might be even a little better. I don't know, but – I think because the defense has stayed consistently good, I think you guys roll through TCU, no problem. But at the same time, I don't know if Michigan has the talent to beat Georgia. But I do think if you guys do face TCU, you'll you'll most likely end up in the national championship game. Which would be awesome. And I, I tend to agree with you guys in the sense that Georgia is similar to Michigan and that they have like solid, really solid quarterback, really solid run game, and then really awesome defense. So it's like, Michigan's pretty much playing themselves, except with better players. So we'll see how they do. But if they get that far, we should, you know, there's no no foregone conclusions here. But we'll be rooting for them. Um, last thing I want to talk about Michigan is just real quickly with Donovan Edwards is the fact that, so first of all, he's from West Bloomfield, which is really close to our area. And then it's also the fact that he's, he's 19 years old and he has the facial hair and the voice of a 40-year-old man. So, Zach, this is for you because no one believed you were 19 when you were 19. You know, because, you know, you're similarly immaculate. Beer. What does it mean for Michigan when they have a 40 year old man in a 19 year old body with the voice of James Earl Jones, who's just tearing it up and hanging like 200 plus yards on the number two team in the country? I'm just saying the future's bright, man. It's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I'll tell you that much. People, uh, people underestimate you a lot or yeah, people, people are going to underestimate you because you're only 19. People think you're, you know, a hundred years old, but um yeah 
I just, I, I wouldn't be, I, I'm excited for him. I hope he does well as a fellow person who looks way older than they actually are. I, I hope he does nothing but good things. I think he's got good things coming out of the way, man. If you're, if you're the blueprint, I think the future is bright for him. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, of course. So we talked a lot about Michigan. Let's give Michigan State some thought just a little bit. Let's go. Finally, <laughs> finally, let's go. Actually, I don't, I don't really want to talk about him. I mean, we won't, we won't do too much here because I did just get blown <laughs> out by Penn State, which is yeah. a really good Penn State team, which is fair. So Michigan is now five and seven. Michigan State is five and seven. They just have one road win the whole year. Is it time to ask ourselves, is, in fact, is Tuck coming? Tuck is still coming, but okay. uh, J.D. is a big no right now. Um, it, it was a bad year, for sure. It just goes to show, you know, like I said earlier, how Kenneth Walker literally carried the team last year. And I thought we got better in certain areas of the, like defensively and special teams wise, but it just did not correlate well this year at all. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this year was just a big doo doo fest. We don't deserve yeah. to go to a bowl game, so I'm kind of glad we didn't go six and six in a way. I, I, I hope it's a wake up call for Tuck. I hope Tuck comes even harder next year. <laughs> I think, I mean, when you see Kenneth kind of Walker, what he's doing in the NFL, I feel like we probably took for granted how central he was to the success of the team. Um, because you're probably they probably did get better in certain ways, and it's just when you don't have a guy who's probably going to win like offensive rookie of the year, when you don't have him on your team, mm-hmm. you're not going to be as good. It's it, no matter what else you do on other points, other parts of the football team. Because the next question I wanted to ask this is for both of you guys, Jake. We'll start with you here. Just and you know, I know we don't know the Michigan State quarterback depth chart that well, but that was a problem this year with Peyton Thorne. He didn't have a great year. So what's the next step? Is it you know the incumbent Peyton Thorne? Is it Michigan State's got a four-star prospect in Caden Hauser. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. And then they've got, they've got two super skinny redshirt sophomores, Noah Kim and Andrew Shorefar, whoever that is. They're both 6'2", 195. So I feel like that's skinny for, for a quarterback. But um, who's going to start next year? I mean, in terms of getting better, well, you know, I, I a lot of people say this. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the the truth. I don't know where I heard this, but football is more or, or less one in the trenches. So if state wants to get better, I, I think the number one thing they need to focus on is making sure their O-line and, and their D-line is, you know, up to par in, in good working condition. And as far as the uh, quarterback goes, um, I, I mean, you know, uh, early in the season when it's, you know, you're, you're facing a non-conference opponent from the group of five conferences. Yeah, I mean, if if Mel Tucker wants to um, see what the younger guys can do, sure, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for that. I mean, you know, maybe rest Peyton Thorne for a bit. Zach, any thoughts about the Michigan State quarterback situation? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, actually. So... <laughs> Um, the past three quarterbacks we've had, which is um, Brian Lewerke, Rocky Lombardi, and Peyton Thorne, um, all three of them, their first year starting as like a, the quarterback, they did phenomenal. But so, unfortunately, every year after they start, they're terrible. Brian Lewerke was horrific the last yeah. two years he played. Rocky Lombardi, I think, played only played one year. He beat Michigan, but wasn't that great at quarterback. So I think you've got to give Peyton Thorne at least the beginning of the Big Ten games 
or the, the, the in-conference games next year to show he still has got it. Now, the Hauser guy, I've heard wonderful things about him. So I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he's, in a, he's going to be the guy when Peyton Thorne leaves or gets benched. But my thought process now is I like Thorne. I, my opinion was better than Lewerke and Lombardi. So sure. I'm fine with giving him half a season next year to prove he's, he, is, he can be the guy. But if he had a bad year like he did this year, I think you have nothing. There's no choice left but to put in Hauser. Yeah, I, I haven't watched a ton of Michigan State football this year, so it's hard to say exactly where they go from here. But you know, it's hard to go anywhere other than up because they still it's a really it's still Michigan State's still a good football program, and I I, I still think Mel Tucker's a really good football coach. So they're they're better than five and seven. Let's put it that way. As Zach uh, as Zach shrugs. <laughs> I don't know. I I think they're I think five and seven was a bit generous this year. I I was just disappointed with some of the games I was forced to watch. Yeah, but we'll see. Maybe they can get better. Jake, you got something here? Ninety-five million dollars. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, that's you know how much you guys paid Tuck for five and seven. You know what? I think on average, Jim Harbaugh gets paid more. Am I correct with that? I have no idea. Good to tell you, you know, like, gets paid more per win. Okay, that one's Jim Harbaugh. I agree. I agree. Well, Tucker gets paid more per win. He only wins like oh. five games a year. They got to pay him. Like oh, okay, okay, okay. Million per win. Okay. You know what? I will say it took Jim Harbaugh a long time to get this good. What six years? Is that right? Do you know how long Jim, it took? Year is this for Harbaugh? Uh, this is year seven. Year I seven. So it took him six years to, you know, beat Ohio State, go to the Big Ten championship. I'm not. Uh, Tuck's on year three. I think he has. I, I, I'm going to give. I'm willing to give him three more years to. Yeah, he's already. He's already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't have a ton to work with, but. All right, we, we've uh, I think we've expunged enough college football information, you guys. We'll move on to our team, our our our, our real football team, as much as we love. Yes, Michigan yes. Team, the Lions. Let's talk a little bit Lions. I feel like there's a lot of recurring storylines. Oh, the, you know, in the words of Dan Campbell, you know, they were stacking wins. You know, and what did he say after the uh, what was the Giants? What he's like, that's incredible, gentlemen. That's you outstanding, gentlemen. Yeah, that's outstanding, gentlemen. You earned it. I, I listen to that every day of my life. I want to make it my ringtone. Uh, it's just, I love Dan. He's, he's awesome. And I think the team is turning in the right direction, but this season is what it is. We're probably going to end up as like a, a nine or 10 seed, maybe eight seed. Probably, probably not going to make the playoffs unless we go on a real run here. And I'm, I'm hoping for that. But the reality is the biggest thing for the Lions this year is probably going to be in the off season. We have to answer a bunch of questions, questions that I've like, just kind of came up with myself and I wrote some of them down here. So, you know, a couple, I'll just rattle them off to you. Is Jared Goff limiting this offense? How different will things look once Jameis Williams gets into the, into the fold, into the offensive mix? Should we pay DeAndre Swift a contract extension when Jamal Williams is both the most fun player in the league and he's also casually leading the league in rushing touchdowns? Interesting fact, he has more rushing. He had, Jamal Williams has more touchdowns than the entire Broncos offense, which is pretty funny. Um, Broncos country, let's ride. Um, we know the defense has holes. Um, you know They've been really porous this year, but... And a nice core with Aiden Hodgson, Rodrigo. I don't even know Rodrigo's first name anymore. I just know his name. It's not even Rodrigo. It's Rodriguez. I don't know his first name. I just call him Rodrigo. Um, we've got Kirby Joseph, who's really come on in the last few games. He's got a couple of picks. And then Jeff Okuda, who's really turned it on in, in year three now after not getting hurt this year. I'm really, really happy for him. And then, you know, got some some younger guys who are like Josh Pascoe. And then I think Alan McNeil, I think is his name. He came up off the practice squad. Against that in that game against Buffalo, I had a ton of pressures on Josh Allen. So there's some a nice core here. All those guys are 23 years old or younger, so it's really young. 
And yeah, I, we're a long way away from being great defensively, but at least we have some building blocks we can point to, which hasn't been the case for a while. So my question for you guys is, and we'll start with Jake, with all those questions in mind, you know, we might have a great receiver, James Williams. What is, what do we do with Jared Goff? What do we do with Jamal Williams slash DeAndre Swift? What do we do with this defense? Where do we go in the draft? What do we do now that we have the Rams pick? The Rams have turned into one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're probably going to give us the third pick if things keep going like this, which would be great. What do we do with that pick? You know, because there's there's really a ton of options. Do we take Will Anderson from Alabama? I think it's like kind of the the maybe not best top pick, but best player guy because, you know, the quarterbacks are so evaluated so, so highly. But do we go with Will Anderson and just get the first real edge rusher we've had since like Ziggy Ansa, right? Do we go with the quarterback crowd? Are we moving on from the Jared Goff experiment? Do we snatch Bryce Young if we can get him? Or do we, you know, are we cool with CJ Stroud? Um, could we get someone from like, well, instead of Will Anderson, do we go with Jalen Carter from Georgia? And then take a quarterback like Will, uh, I think his name is Will Levis, Will Levis from Kentucky. So as you know how much I know about college football, I don't even pronounce anybody's name. But because um, remember, we have our own pick too, and it's not exactly going to be a terrible pick because we're not that good, right? So there's so many options that we have here. I have a mock draft from a website called Takeathon, which that sounds very credible. And so I could share screen with you guys and just kind of uh, we can take a look at like who the top 10 theoretical picks are. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that because I have my opinion on what we should do. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing what this what they say. What I guess professionals say. Yeah, I mean, who knows if they're even professionals? Let me get this. So here's the top 14 or so. So let's start with uh, who wants to take this one first, Zach or Jake? Jake, take it away, my man. All right. Well, so all right. Here's what I'll say. Yeah. In this upcoming draft class, I don't really see, uh, you know, the the quarter a quarterback with that it factor. You know, like the Trevor Lawrence type of a, a talent, and you know Jared Goff. I mean, and keep, uh, keep in mind, I am I I am not a I'm a, a big Jared Goff fan. Goff has been to the Super Bowl. Now, of course, is that because of Goff or is that because of Sean McVay, uh, you know, and, and the Rams offense? So I'm not really so inclined to take a, a QB with our first pick. And uh, looking at, at the screen right here, it looks like uh, the Lions are, you know, projected, you know, this, this mock draft. It says they're looking to take C.J. Stroud. And I am going to give a hell no to that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's be real here. I mean, okay, so our, our offense has improved a ton uh, this season, but our defense has not. I mean, you look at the first game, you know, Eagles 38, Lions 35, Seahawks 48, Lions 45. The, the defense needs some work. So I think I'm going all in on Will Anderson. Jake, I like your take there, man. The one thing I will push back against, and I'm going to say this without knowing exactly if the Lions have someone else's pick other than their own next year, is the fact that like we're probably going to be a little bit, if not significantly better next year. So mm-hmm. we're not going to have a chance at snatching someone like uh, like Caleb Williams, who is going to win the Heisman this year and who will be draft eligible next year out of USC. Mm-hmm. So the problem is that I agree with you. Maybe there isn't like the quarterback prospect in this draft. But the problem is, if it's going to be there next year, we're not going to be able to get them because we're going to be too good again. 
Now, maybe I, I forget which, uh, I don't know if anybody knows, like who, which Rams picks we got other than this year. Maybe we can do it. You know, maybe we have another first uh, from when we traded Stafford. But um, the reason that like, and I'll, Zach, I'll let you kind of make your case here is just, is I just thinking about the fact, like if we do want to move on from Jared Goff sometime in the next, in this window, it's going to get harder and harder to do so in the draft in terms of like the top, top, top talent. If we want to settle, I don't want to settle the wrong way, but settle for a guy like we'll, we'll uh, leave us, whatever, Levis. I don't know how to pronounce that name, even though it seems very simple. It's two syllables. But if we want to settle for a guy like that and hope that he, you know, expand, you know, spans out to be like this really good quarterback prospect and we're confident in our ability to develop, then I'm cool with that. But if we need like the surefire guy, it might have to come in like the top of the draft. But Zach, what do you think? So I have three things I want to say. If Will Anderson is there, I feel like you have to take him. Or Jalen Carter. If we're getting a third overall pick, if Will Anderson's gone, I've thought about this a lot. Personally, I'm on board with if Will Anderson is there, you take Will Anderson. But if it's C.J. Stroud or Jalen Carter, like you said, you know, we're hopefully going to get better next year. And I don't know if – I don't know if – I don't think Goff is the guy. But there are guys like Zach Wilson, you know, who – it was taken super high and kind of sucks. But you also think of like Jimmy Garoppolo where, you know, he's not a stellar quarterback, but he, the, the 49ers got to a Super Bowl with him there. So I'm not, there, there is a big chance that the quarterback and CJ Stroud could be a bust or Will Levis. I think it's Levis. I actually don't know either. I trust your opinion. I trust you more than me, man. I have zero idea. There is a, you know, potential risk with Will Levis, C.J. Stroud not panning out to what we think their potential could be. Whereas Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, these are not generation. Well, actually, I think Will Anderson's a generational guy, but I think we need more help with defensively than offensively. And even though I don't love Jared Goff, I think he's serviceable enough to where we don't necessarily need to take a quarterback this year. Could it be a hybrid? Maybe like Levis, like Levis, you know, La- like A.E. Levis. I'm okay with calling him Levis, man. Yeah, I like Levis. That could work. Um, I, you guys both bring up really, really good points. The thing that I'm thinking about though is like, because I just like if Bryce Young is available at that third pick, which seems unlikely, but like think about it. Let's say the draft order doesn't change, which is silly to assume that, but for the sake of this this little game we're playing here, Chicago at number two is probably not taking a quarterback. You know, they at least think they have the guy, Justin Fields. We'll see if it pans out. The Texans are an interesting one because, oh, I mean, I think that Dougie Mills, Davis Mills, is not not really working out in, in, in Houston because he's just not that good, right? He had a nice rookie year and it's just not working. So they've already benched him this year once. Okay, they're going to take Bryce Young first. But people are saying, is there a chance that Houston just takes a guy like Will Anderson, sucks again, and then gets Caleb Williams next year? Could they do that? Because Caleb Williams, people are, I mean, is that a possibility to make a draft decision a year in advance, just hoping the fact that you'll be bad enough again to get Caleb Williams? It's a huge risk. It's probably not going to happen because it's not worth it. But I, I say all that to say, if we get the third pick from the Rams, which by the way, could turn into the second pick with how badly they're playing. I just, Bryce, and, and I think that's the real comparison. Are you a Bryce Young guy or are you a CJ Stroud guy? And I think most people have Bryce Young a little bit higher. The biggest issue with him is the size stuff. He's six foot. Says so here he's six foot, one hundred ninety-four pounds, which is pretty, pretty small frame for for a modern-day quarterback. But if we can get Bryce Young, I, I will ship Jared Goff out of here so fast. 
you know, and, and like, or CJ Stroud, I think both of them are worth taking in that top three range just because I just, I don't, I don't want to get a guy and hope he's going to be good. You know, I know like this, first of all, the Jets were the only team who thought Zach Wilson was that good. I don't know what that was. And like, I don't know for a guy who drafts, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I forget where he drafted. He wasn't a top five or top 10 guy, you know, but like, that's a, just a crazy story. You know, he wasn't like one of those lottery pick guys and it worked, you know, and there's so many great quarterbacks league, but is it because they have a great quarterback coach? You know, like Josh Allen, is he great because of what Brian Dable did when he was uh, there in Buffalo? So many guys, it, it's, it's not just the player. It's the, the, we want to find a guy who it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's around him. His talent is going to just be there for the next 10 years. And I think if we can get Bryce Young and to a lesser extent, CJ Stroud, we've got to take him, but let me, t- I will say if we get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I will be able to sleep very well at night. Those are all great players. And the, the, we really, this Matthew Stafford trade is working out so well for the Lions. Um, I know Zach, you hate Matthew Stafford. So I, sure I don't, I don't hate Matthew Stafford. I'm just glad he's not in the Lions anymore. He will. Oh, I don't know. What, well, two years from now, he's coming. He's coming back. He's not coming back. He better not come back. No, me and I'll, Matt, me and Matt chat all the time. Give me Seriously. Bryce Young. I don't want, I want, I'd rather take Young over Stafford. Dude, Stafford, his back is broken and he had like three concussions in a row. I don't, he doesn't Here's what he's going to do. Here's what he's going to do. I've been, t- I've been talking with him and Kelly. Okay. He's going to finish this year out. He's going to retire for two, th- two, three years, take some time off, go on vacation. He's going to come back to Detroit for the, the twilight of his career when the team has great Jameis Williams is going to be the best active receiver in the NFL. Jamal Williams is going to be averaging four touchdowns a game. We're going to have the best offensive line in football. Dan Campbell is going to be the best coach in the history of football. And we're going to be just the one player away. And that one player is Matthew Stafford. He's going to come home. He's going to throw 6,000 yards. He's going to throw 60 touchdowns and we're going to win the Super Bowl. And you heard it here first. Okay. Jake, you know, you're a Stafford guy. You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. That's our guy. And it's what's going to happen. He's going to come back to, he's going to come home to the people that love him most where they actually have a fan base, unlike the Los Angeles Rams, and he's going to win us our very first Super Bowl. You if he it. comes back and retires the line, totally fine with that. But if he's a starting quarterback for the Lions again, I don't know if I'll be able to handle that. But I'll also say really- something else. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, if Bryce Young does fall at the third pick, I love Bryce Young. I like him a lot more than C.J. Stroud. If he does fall to the third pick, I'm okay with taking him over. Okay, what, what if we're in the situation? What if we're at the second pick? Who, who does the tech? Who, who do the Texans take? If they take Will Anderson, I'm let's take Bryce Young. Okay, I'm with you. I'm, I, I, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, last thing I'm going to say is if we do take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and Stafford does come back in the next couple of years, they're going straight to the bench or we'll trade them, by the way. I just want to make sure that's clear. I'm going to throw um, up. I You can throw up all you want, man. That <laughs> is just my man could dream. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we, you know, we've talked a little, uh, talked a little lines here. We know what's going to happen in the sense that they're going to be a solid team that works really, really hard, plays really, really hard. It does pretty much whatever they can um, to make the fans happy. And I think they've done that this year. They've made us happy. So let's move on to a different football topic. We're going to move away from reality and shift into fantasy, fantasy football, that is. Zach, I know you wanted to talk about some of your predictions this year, some of which came to fruition and others did not. Do you want to get oh, us through some of your takes from uh, from little the pre-draft process? I would be honored to. Please, please. So I'm I'm a big fantasy football guy. It's probably my favorite hobby in my life. Um, and I have I like to be opinionated with fantasy football. Uh, so before the drafts, there were I wrote down a couple names here that I've, I thought were going to be. So I've I've my, the people I was correct with and the people I was incorrect with. Sure. So 
I'm going to give you like five names in the correctness. And I'll give you five names who are the incorrect, if that's okay with you. Uh, first off, I have Saquon Barkley and being correct. Um, I saw like an interview with him and he was like, you know what I'm capable of. I'm coming back. And I was like, you know what? That's absolutely right. I'm a big Saquon guy again. I love that, man. It's like that time when, when uh, Kevin Durant was like, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Exactly. Remember? Exactly. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yes. I remembered him from college and I'm like, you know what? I believe in Saquon this year. The only time I regretted taking him in my fantasy league was against the Lions, but who saw that coming, you know? Yeah. I, I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else I have on here is Cam Akers. Mm. I was never a big Cam Akers guy. He had one tweet that I thought was really funny. He's like, I'd never had a girlfriend before. Or he's like, I really want a girlfriend. And somebody in the comments was like, hey, man, I've never had a girlfriend. Just focus on yourself. And Cam, Cam Akers was like, no offense, dude. I don't want to be like you. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. But from a fantasy perspective, I had a feeling this guy was going to be a bust. And I was correct in that. But I, even though, who was, what was his name? Henderson? Harrison? What was like, What's the? Yeah, Daryl Henderson's the back. Daryl Henderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're trying to ship Cam Akers off in the beginning of the year. So I think I was right with that one. My, you know, um, my buddy Max Lessons, he drafted mm-hmm. Cam Akers the second round of our fantasy draft. That year. was, uh, I bet he feels all silly. I, he has the worst team in the league. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can, Sorry. I can see why. Um, Kenneth Walker, I mean, when who was the guy who when the Seahawks retired? Was it was it Rashad Penny or did he get injured? Rashad Penny was the starter at the beginning of the year, and then he got hurt like three games. Okay, there was a guy because Kenneth Walker was was originally the third stringer, and the Seahawks there was a guy in the Seahawks who retired before. The oh, Chris started. Carson, yeah, the next Chris injury. Carson. Thank you. Yeah. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, Kenneth Walker's going to start at the end of the year. Yeah, I know for sure, and I was right with that. Um, I have two more. In terms of fantasy-wise, Kyle Pitts, I knew he was not going to be good again this year. Why? Don't they, why don't they throw him the ball? I, I have no idea. I don't get what the Falcons are doing. I get Marcus Mariota isn't the best quarterback ever, but just th- throw him a bubble or something. Like, get, 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 hand off the ball to him. I mean, he's the best player on the field. I know. I don't get it, man. But I had a feeling it was going to happen again this year. And then the last one I have on who I thought was going to be great or who I was correct with my take with, was Nick Chubb. If not for Derrick Henry, I think Nick Chubb is the next best running back in the NFL. And that turned out to be pretty correct to fantasy. He is, he is so good, man. He, he mm-hmm. destroyed me week one uh, this year when I was playing against Grayson. Just, oh, really? just annihilated me. Yeah. All right, I now I want to go in, I want to go in for like my bad takes now. Sure. This one, I'm going to bring this one first. Uh, Baker Mayfield. I could not have been more wrong about this take. I love Baker Mayfield, but he just sucks, man. I think the uh, opening moment was when he started like headbutting his teammates when he wasn't wearing a helmet. It's like, yeah, guy's just desperate to show that he's, you know, he, I know he's, I love the, the, you know, mentality, but like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my most heartbreaking one. I thought Baker Mayfield was going to be electric this year. I'm like, finally, he's out of the Browns. Even the Browns were good. He's like, he's one of the Panthers. He's going to make the Panthers look like Super Bowl contenders. And he's just played, I think he's benched for, I don't even know who he's benched for. I mean, PJ Walker's played over him. Sam yeah. Darnold's played over him. Oh, Sam Darnold, that's who it was. He's a backup yeah. still, or is he's he a backup? Ring? Well, okay. so PJ Walker got injured, and then Baker stepped up, and then Baker sucked, and now Sam uh, Darnold is playing now. He'll be a great backup in this league, but that's probably yeah. I I I, I miss the old. I miss you know twenty twenty Baker. That was a lot of fun. Baker. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Next up, I have uh, 
Josh Jacobs. And this is, he just had this, you know, insane game this past year. So he was terrible in last year's fantasy because I had him last year. I thought there's no way he's going to be good again. Then the Raiders didn't pick up like his fifth year option or something. And I think he's trying to prove something. He's just a piece of beast. I don't know. He's doing things I've never seen him do before. So apparently when money's on the line, the guy just mm-hmm. tries harder. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I got three more. Miles Sanders is another one. I thought he was going to be terrible this year. I mean, I never saw the Eagles being nine and nine and oh, but Miles Sanders is doing pretty, pretty good in fantasy wise this year. I didn't take him in any leagues. And I was laughing at my friends who did take him. Like, you idiot. He's scored like one touchdown last year. I have him in our fantasy league. And I think the problem with the Eagles, like since LaShawn McCoy, they've kind of just been like a committee backfield kind of team. Like there's no workhorse back. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if he really is like a workhorse back, but he's just gotten a lot of touchdowns and he's just been really solid when he gets the ball. Yeah. I don't know how he, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he had last year and transformed into this year. It's two different money backs, man. And next up I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he's done. He's not being a starter again. Yeah, it's like the Chiefs offense, when everyone's worried about the past, you'd think that like with a a decent offensive line that he would – because when they get – like what's the new guy, Pacheco or whatever his name Mm -hmm. is? Yeah. He's played really well. McKinnon Mm -hmm. is pretty good when he gets touches. Um, Right. I don't know. I don't know what what Clyde was a big – I was a big CEH guy for a while, but I can't defend him anymore. It's a cool name. It is a cool name, yeah. And lastly, I have Justin Fields. I'm sorry. You're not alone in that one. I what one of my best friends is a big bears fan. And I thought it was so funny when they like traded up to get Justin Fields. Like, Oh my gosh, you are so you, you, you took Trubisky with that second over pick so many years ago. And you picked Justin Fields. This is laughable. And then he's turned out to be, you know, scary guy, especially with the run. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's, over the last four or five weeks, he's been one of like I think he's been a top three fantasy quarterback because he just runs for like 175 yards a game. That's 17 mm-hmm. and a half points. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you don't have I'm still anything in the air. I'm still not I'm not super impressed with his throwing ability, but for fantasy related only, it's just insane. He's too good in fantasy. Yeah, I also have questions about like, is he really you know like it's not Lamar Jackson where people just kept moving the goalposts and like you have to win this pretty playoff games. Like Lamar Jackson's got a great deep ball. And mm-hmm. he was throwing for like close to 4,000 yards, in, you know, within his second year of the league. So, yeah, it's not, it, it, this is different. I think there's more question marks running field. So I'm with you on that one. All right. That's all I got. That's all I got. I can give I you like more, it, but I feel I've talked enough. There's uh you guys know Colin Cowherd. Yeah. He has this, uh, this segment on a show. I don't know if he does like weekly or something, but he's like, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. It's kind of like where Zach was right, where Zach was wrong. You know, <laughs> the difference is yeah. when Colin's right, it's just like, like, I try to tell you guys, you know, as America oh. wants to broker, you know, <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. So you're less, uh, you know, you're much more showboaty. Yeah. Yeah. You're less showboaty. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Jake, what's it going to take to get you to join our league, man? What, what do we, how much do we have to pay you? Uh, I look, I mean, I'm not saying it isn't fun. I, I just, I just don't see the appeal. The appeal is you get to watch more games with the boys. Yes. And when you beat someone, you get to make fun of them. Yes. It's a great, Jake, when it gets to Monday night and it's you versus the other team, the other team's players have all already played and you have one running back and you're down by nine points. There is no better feeling in the world when you watch oh. that player get a touchdown. Oh, it's, the adrenaline, man. It's I mean, different. here's that moment. 
And then here's the birth of your first child. And it's like, it, they're like, they're the same. And I just, I don't want you to miss out on that. Is there, a, can you give us a percentage chance you join the league for next season? Honestly, um, you know, I, um, I kind of have to, you know, get a few things with my life in order, but if I do that, I'll say 50, 50. Whoa. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. I'll tell you what, we'll kick out Lauren in a second. Okay. You can have her- <laughs> no, 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 no. You can, Lauren can, she can absolutely, absolutely stay. No, Lauren's saying we're kicking a Marky and Maddie, man. Or we can just make it change it to a 12 team. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine with that too. I'd love a 12 team league. We well, this is gonna be a busy offseason, guys. Jake, <laughs> you're joining next season. I can feel it, I can smell it. Um, yeah, yeah. But speaking of doing things involving real life and not just sports, let's kind of shift into real life, right? Because you guys have both been doing a lot of things this past year, really the past few years, and what has been kind of a weird time in the world. So Jake, we'll start with you, right? You you graduated from U of M. You get your master's in biology. Now you're working full-time at the Michigan Institute of Neurology. You work in the same place as Akram. And just before I give you the floor here, there was a moment where Jake and Akram, they work in like different departments, but they like walked past each other. I think it was, was it, was it Jacob? I think you were like, Akram, you're working hard. And Akram was like, hardly working. Which, I mean, that's just like, how do you, that's, that's magical. That's, that's just workplace chemistry. But Jake, can you talk a little bit about what the grind was like getting your master's in biology and then any 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 cool stories from from work involving urology and urine (laughs) all right sure so starting off with the the masters uh yeah so uh it was a two-year program at uh oakland and it was a master's of arts uh, rather than a master's of science because with the MS, you have to write a thesis and I did not want to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, it was, it honestly wasn't too bad. I only took two classes uh, uh, a term uh, because uh, that was, you know, just what you needed to graduate in two, uh, two years. Uh, some of the people in my class took three classes and graduated, uh, you know, uh, in in three terms. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't want to do that either. Yeah, it uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, it, it wasn't really that difficult. To, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, though, I I probably could have tried harder. But <laughs> but you know, I I graduated. I I got no my matters. degree. So yep, no regrets. And uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that was grad school, and uh, and during that time, I worked at a physical therapy clinic uh, over in Bloomfield Township. Uh, that was a, a great job. I met a lot of great people. I uh, have a lot of good memories uh, from that. Uh, but now, yeah, as you said, I, I'm working at uh, the urologist's office, and I've been working there since uh, mid-September. And so far, uh, I'd say overall, it's been a good experience. I've been learning a lot. Um, it, it has been overwhelming at times. Uh, uh, there are some days when it seems like the patients keep coming and coming and they just don't stop. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, uh, also have, I've met some really nice people and they've taught me a lot and I still have a lot more to learn. <laughs> yep. And um, as far as funny work stories go, um, unfortunately, 
I'm afraid uh, the light of my day is just seeing Akram. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, you know, when, whenever I, I see that guy, you know, it's like all the dark clouds go away and, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, that man really just, uh, he, he makes my entire world. Man, Akram's going to love this, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how to transition to this, but as you guys may have known, today is Spotify rat day. First day, like you're able to get it. Mm-hmm. Jake, I've gone through Spotify rat with you before. And I remember you were like 0.000001% listeners of Bruce Springsteen. Not actually that many zeros, but it was up there. And it sounds like you have something to report here in terms of your Spotify rat. I actually kept uh, the picture of uh, me being at the 0.1%. Hang on. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, yeah. Here it is. Um, so I know for the folks listening, they won't be able to see it, but I am going to just show um, uh, Zach and Alex uh, right here. So if you look very closely, I- I'm sorry, my, my camera is very potato quality. Um, it says you're a top your top artist was Bruce Springsteen. You were in the top 0.1% of listeners uh, this year. 0.1%. Great work, my man. Next step is going to be what, the, what percentage were you this year? You're going to have to check that out. Um, unfortunately, I no longer have Spotify Premium and I, and I switched to Apple Music. Oh, <laughs> oh. I think Apple Music has some off-brand version of that. Not to hate on Apple Music. No, I hate on hate on Apple Music. I'm a big anti Apple Music guy. It's just what you know. It's the reality of it. But Jake, we, we know you're a Bruce Springsteen guy. We know you're just like you're a fan of that era of music, which I think is like is that is that 70s and 80s kind of music. Yeah, right? yeah, just uh, classic rock, basically. So let me. Add, I have two questions for you. Number one, why do you prefer that era of music to modern music? And then, can you give me your top three? favorite Bruce songs, Bruce Springsteen songs, because he's still touring and he's still selling out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, speaking of touring, for those who are listening, Bruce is coming to Little Caesars Arena on March 29th, 2023. Uh, Most of the tickets have been sold out, but there's uh, a couple, there's, I think there's still a decent amount being resold. So get them now because they're probably going to jump uh, uh, even higher as they, as the date draws closer. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. So uh, to answer your question, the real reason is my dad. When I was uh, growing up, when I was real young, uh, I would ride uh, in the car a lot with him and he would always have a, uh, uh, a CD playing it uh, back when cars still had CD players in them. <laughs> and it was pretty much always Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Eric Clapton, U2. That was the music that he listened to. And because of that, I mean, you know, by uh, what is it? The, the transitive property, like I, I'm a, a by, um, you know, by default, that was the music that, I listened to and it just imprinted on me uh, yeah he uh he kind of introduced me to the entire world of classic rock and as I've gotten older and I got my iTunes account it you know I've just been 
trying to listen to all of the great songs uh, out there from that era and and uh yeah yeah that's um i uh that's why i love classic rock and uh, my uh top three bruce springsteen songs you know it's so hard i mean <laughs> i i don't want to choose between my children here but <laughs> but um Okay, I will go with uh, Thunder Road. Uh, in, in, yeah, yeah, in, in no particular order. Uh, Thunder Road, Born to Run, and I would say Jungle Land. I will say as a novice Bruce Springsteen song, Thunder Road is my favorite Bruce song. That song is so good. It, is, it just gets me it, fired up, man. It, it's one of the greatest songs ever made, man. No, you're not going to get an argument from me. It's an awesome yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. Jay, yeah. That was a heartfelt story. And I, I yeah. mean, just with Uncle Brian, who we need to get on the podcast at some point. You guys oh, yes. Him. Next time we're all, <laughs> I'm home, I'm, we're getting this guy on the pod. But the podcast yeah. is going to be two hours long. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to let the guy run, man. <laughs> it's going to be three hours long. He, he, hey, but he, but he has a lot of good, you know, him, Uncle Brian and his pearls. But, um, but Jake, that was an awesome story. And it makes sense. And I love the Bruce top three. But it brings me to another question in that you and Zach are brothers. You have the same dad, but they have very different musical interests. So for anybody you out there prefer, if you are more into modern music, please check out Zach's Jams and its various iterations, <laughs> which are Zach's playlists on Spotify, <laughs> which there's Zach's Jams A team, like B team. There's Zach's Jams summer team, summer playlist, Zach's Jams holiday season, which I, I think they're, they're, by the way, they are so beautifully crafted. They have some of the best music ever made. Oh, I'm sweating. And, that was so funny. Sorry. Zach, can you please, can you take me a little bit about what your music inspiration is in terms of what you listen to? And then talk about your, what kind of makes you name your playlist the way you do? Because it's amazing. <laughs> so like Jacob said, I grew up listening to the exact same music as my dad. And I feel like I have the opposite story. I feel like I heard it so much that I kind of, wanted to separate it, step away from it and try and find my own path with music, I guess. Um, I pretty much am a fan of most genres of music. Uh, I'd say like, I mean, my, my favorite time was like 2009 through 2012. You know, you got your Flo Rida, your Kesha, you know, your Train, all those great bands. Oh, amazing. That was, so that's probably Maroon my- Maroon 5 was great. Then. Maroon 5, just like that. Uh, so those bands I also try, grew up with too. So that's why I think they're probably my favorite. But as for naming my playlist, um, so Zach Shams is a collection of like all the songs I listened to. But there were songs that I liked, but I didn't want to hear them all the time. So that's where Zach Shams B League came in. So whenever I listen to my, the songs on Zach Shams too much, I get a little sick of it. I head over to B League, listen to some songs over there. And I feel like, you know what? I haven't heard this song in a while. It's actually a lot. It's just much better than I remember. And I want to hear more of it. Send it over to the A-League. Now, I, that there is a chance if I don't like the song anymore, it goes back to the B-League or gets removed completely if it doesn't fit within the genre. So there is some risk with being overplayed. That's kind of how I separate my... I don't overplay some songs. You know, try and get as many people, as many songs, the opportunity to join the Zach's jams. 
This is like the Premier League. Like if you get relegated, it, you go. It's down exactly. To the, it's exactly it. Champions. Exactly. I forget what it is. But yeah. then you, if you get relegated again, what, what is it called? I don't even know what it's called. Uh, the Premier League and the Championship League. Yeah, you get relegated. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And then you know you can mm-hmm. get back up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. man, this is you can promote it. Yeah, you can promote it. Such a good way of doing it. Seriously. <laughs> And please, was there more you were going to say about like the? I was going to say the. the, You're like a movie franchise. (laughs) No one's ever called me that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I was just there. You know, everyone has um, different playlists for different vibes. Um, Mine aren't that crazy. It's like I have a campfire playlist, uh, summertime playlist where, like, you know, you're middle of July, roll the windows down, just sing. Uh, I got a game time playlist if I'm doing an intramural soccer game pump that up and you know holiday cheer you know that's but i i i have the the main genres i guess like if you imagine the playlist like food groups i have the main ones and then a couple itty bitty ones for me yeah you don't need a playlist for like when you're you know taking your contacts out or something you just tie in your shoes big ones Mm -hmm. you know and you've got them and i've I've seen them i've i recently checked out the holiday one it's just (laughs) chock full of bangers man i mean they all are love the a team love the b team you know, no and to all the B teamers out there, you guys, you have a chance. And for the A teamers, don't get comfortable. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You have to earn your spot, in Zach's playlists. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's amazing. And Zach, I know we were talking, Jake, we were talking about your masters earlier. The, the Jennings are just pumping out masters because Zach, you're getting your masters. And it's, it's in specifically human resources, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And labor relations. Okay. And labor relations. Mm-hmm. So my question for you as someone who's going to be graduating from this program in a couple of weeks. How excited are you to reach the finish line? What is some of the coolest things you've learned? And how sick of you are people saying Toby Flunderson the second they hear you're in human resources? Somebody, so I went to Euchre Club uh, yesterday. It was a Euchre Club in Michigan State. Oh, somebody sure. called me Somebody called me Toby yesterday and dude, I wanted to rip his head off. Yeah. I was like, I, that's probably the, it's definitely in the hundreds now. I think I've heard it. So I'm, I'm hoping it'll stop eventually, but I feel like it's going to keep coming. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm sorry. What was the first two questions? I had I heard Toby Flanagan, and my mind went numb. And that, that just takes over. It is mm-hmm. how excited are you to kind of be done with oh. with this chapter of school in your mm-hmm. life, this chapter of your life? And then, uh, what's some? What's one of the most interesting things you've learned in in, in this field? So, I'm so excited to be done with school. Uh, if you know me in person, you know how tired I am of going to school. I've I've been going to school since. I was what three years old, and I'm 23. It's been 20 years of just education. I didn't take a gap year or anything. I went directly to grad school, so I I cannot. I'm sure I'll like when I'm working eight hours a day. I'm like, man, I wish I just had two hours of classes a day and then hung out with my friends, you know, during the college time. But for right now, I'm so excited to be done with school in this moment. And some of the cool things I've learned. Like with learning within school or like with internships from the school or just in, it doesn't matter. Any, any like interesting HR information that you've gotten over the last three years during the master's, whether it be from the master's itself or like internships you've done. Internship wise, I learned I, my previous company, I was kind of like an HR generalist, which kind of means I'm overseeing everybody within the company. If anybody has any problems, I would go into the uh, system we have and fix it. Like if they had a pay issue, I would go in there and work on it. If anybody knew was coming into the company, they would meet me first. I would talk to them, kind of get them, you know, 
associated with the company and kind of be like that face where if anybody has any problems, I'm the guy and um, they're the first person I meet. So I'm trying to be as likable as possible to them. So they have a good welcome week into the company. So uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite part of being in HR, just, you know, guiding people, kind of changing their life because they're starting a new career, you know, they're entering a new phase in their life. And I'm the first person they see and they talk to. So kind of making the transition from where they were to where they're going as easy as possible. And then within the classroom, I didn't think when I, so my undergrad career was a lot of labor laws and issues like that. I didn't really like it, but now that I'm in grad school, I learned a lot of labor laws that are interesting. So hopefully one day I'll be able to do something with those, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I will say that what you were talking about before about the kind of the role that you've been playing and like guiding people as they enter into like a new career or at least a new mm-hmm. job within a career they're already in or something like that. I feel like you were, you're like the perfect personality to kind of like help people in this period of flux, man. Like imagine you're just like, you're nervous. You don't know if you're making the right choice. And then you just see Zach and it's like, ah, you know, what's up, man? <laughs> you see my goofy, so much better. You see my goofy face and my stupid jokes. And I'm like, oh, this is the guy who's going to guide me or lead me through the uh the desert like moses oh boy <laughs> hey seriously i i really mean that i feel like i feel like Thank it's you. a great fit for you and wherever it takes you i feel like people are gonna be very appreciative to have you in their corner especially in a non-toby flenders role. thank you i appreciate that man it's very nice very very kind of you to say of course man and i mean it so next thing i want to ask jake this is the it brings me makes me think of this because we're talking about toby and we, I know that you have seen parts of The Office. You haven't seen the whole show, though, right? No. Okay, because I know you're not you're not a sitcom guy. You don't like, and I think I I know Akram is also not like a sitcom guy. You don't like you're not a big How I Met Your Mother guy kind of thing. So it just brings me up. What is your favorite TV show of all time? Well, I will say I've kind of I've kind of basically almost stopped watching TV altogether because I don't really have any time for it uh but one show that i really did enjoy boy i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this it was the big bang theory that's a solid show i mean people criticize it all the time that show had so many viewers it made so much money okay there's a lot of closet big bang theory fans out there okay that are just hiding and thank you for Jacob showing them how it's done, which is just being honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say, okay, listen, so like the later seasons of the big bang theory, I fully admit they aren't as good. Okay. The golden era is seasons three through season seven. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the big bang theory at its best. And look, I mean, anything that's as popular as the big bang theory it's always going to get to, you know, some amount of hate, you know, it's, it, it's just in inevitability. You know, it's hard with the show. Cause when they're making money like that, you know, it's always like shows that end at the perfect time. Breaking bad ended at the perfect time, right? Lost went on too long. How many rather I feel like was somewhat appropriate. Same with friends, you know, Bojack Horseman. I, I feel like that show could have gone on forever for all the Bojack fans out there. Zach, thank you for, being someone to introduce me to Bojack. I mean, I'm just thinking about what are other shows you guys have seen and do you think they, they went on too long, not long enough, or just right? I feel like it's rarely that they didn't go on long enough. Maybe Drake and Josh. I wish that would have gone on longer. That's a great example. Great example. 
Dexter. Dexter maybe went on too long. I only saw the first season of that, but I really, I really enjoyed Dexter. So I'm it's disappointed. Great. It's just I'm disappointed to hear it was got it got worse as it went on. Ending is horrific. As many oh shows. no, like Hate Game of Thrones. That. Game of Thrones is another one that probably once the writing kind of mm-hmm. declined, that show went on too long. What oh, that's up. That seventy show I think went on too long. That seventy show, yeah. You can't have a show where half of it takes place in a basement and have it go on for seven seasons. It's just uh-huh. it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's a great show though. I do like that show. I do like that show. Yeah. What are, what are other shows? Let me check the old uh, the old I'm, favorite TV show list. I'm a big sitcom guy, so a lot of my shows on here are sitcoms, which is totally fine. Sitcoms are always mm-hmm. hits. Like Modern Family, I think that was appropriate. It might have been on a little too long because it was like eleven seasons, but. Sure. I think like season nine is kind of where it took a little bit of another side, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah. A prison Break is one that comes to mind. I think that went on too long. And then they just made a new season like six years after it went on too long. So they clearly are oh. not agreeing with me. But Didn't hear about that. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, The Walking Dead went on oh, way, way too, long. too long. Way too yeah. long. I stopped after season six. I think they just ended at like season 10 or something. They needed to stop after like season five. What else? Family Guy? That one's still going strong. I mean, maybe it's like, is it getting old? I don't know. It's getting a little old, but it's, you know, it's still somewhat entertaining. So yeah, they can keep getting, they can pump out more money out of the community. That show went on too long. That one's, yep. Good show. Just went mm-hmm. on too long. What else is Blue Mountain State? Could have used another season of that. I was, I have that on my list too. I was, I was about to get to that one. That, yeah. I agree. That was a great show. Oh, Ted Lasso would come out with 15 seasons. It will never be enough. I love that show. What a what a great show, man. What a show. Hey, you know, a- while we're on Ted Lasso, because the three of us have watched the entire show together. And I know we talked about it a little bit on, on the podcast, Grayson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we touched about our hatred of Nate, Natred. We're going to work on trademarking that term. Can you guys talk about, actually, I'm, we're going to ask two separate questions. Jake, I want to start with you, because I feel like I, like I could just see how much you love that show. And I, I love that you love that show. So my question for you is, what do you love about that show? What makes you love it most? I think it's just, it's sincere. Perfect. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's sincere without being cringy. It does it so well. I mean, it, it, it really just goes to show you. I mean, it, it's honestly different from every other show that's out there. I, I mean, when the characters interact with each other, you can like, I mean, even though it's, you know, it's, it, it's fictional, you, you can just feel that there's this bond, this almost unbreakable bond uh, between them. Like they just share this really intimate uh, um, connection. And, oh, hang on. I, I gotta find the right words. I mean, yeah. Sometimes words don't even do it justice. It's such a good show. Uh, I yeah, it's it just it, it it's really a show that not only encourages it, the characters to be better people, but when you watch it, it it really also makes you want to be a, a better, more empathetic person. That's why I love it so much. It's so rare, but like that show glorifies being nice. You know, how often does that happen? It, 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 another, every other show I can think of, it glorifies being cool. It glorifies having like superpowers. It glorifies like, you know, being like smooth or, or like good at something. And this just glorifies being nice. He's not a naturally good football coach, Ted. He's not, you know, 
the smartest or the tallest or maybe the best at anything. He's just kind and charismatic and everyone likes him for that. And that's okay. That's a good reason that everyone likes you just because you're like a cool person. So I am totally with you. And that the word sincere is so perfect for that show. Zach, you watched that show and then you were kind enough to watch it a second time with us. My question for you is, and I t- we talked about this with Grayson too. Mm-hmm. What are your predictions for this long awaited season three? Oh man, that is not, that's a question right there. I, so I listened to the podcast. I listened to all your episodes, by the way, they're every episode's great. Thanks, man. I, I want to say that, but I, I, I loved when you, I loved when you guys talked about this one. Cause I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said that they hope that they don't win at the end. They hope that they get far in the, in the premier league, but they hope that they don't win the whole thing. So it would be too unrealistic, you know? Yeah. That was great. Being, yeah. being relegated to being promoted, which I agree with, but at the same time, it is a TV show about, you know, being kind and, being kind can get you a, a, a long way. So if they do end up winning the entire thing, I won't be upset with it. I understand it won't be realistic. And I know like he also said that they made a lot of the aspects of the soccer part realistic, like the names um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Even the numbers were realistic. The numbers. Yeah. yeah. So I'd be okay with, I'd, I'd prefer if they won, you know, just to give us that feel good ending, but if they don't, that's also fine too. Um, yeah. I do hope Ted does not end up with Rebecca. I know that was like, that's tease here and there. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. I kind of um, like the like small bit of tension, but it doesn't have to blossom into a relationship yeah. that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's better if, you know, what's wrong with being friends? Yeah. Amen to that. Um, I, I feel like though, in my heart, I feel like at the end of it, he's going to retire or quit from soccer and go back to America with his and go, you know, be a dad. Cause I think yeah. that's what he, that's, that's his, that's his important job. I feel like. I think that's what matters to most. Remember when, mm-hmm. when his son came and he like immediately canceled practice. Oh my gosh. Man. Practice over. Yeah, practice canceled and stuff. <laughs> what a guy, man. Mm-hmm. Well guys, I want to bring up one more thing here before we go. And it's Zach, we talked about this recently and it's, there's so many ways to measure a player's value, right? Like most valuable player races. And I think one of the clearest ones is to see how a team performs with them, how the team performs without them and comparing the two, right? So the most obvious examples that I immediately thought of is when we compare like LeBron James to Michael Jordan. So I went back with the Cavs before, during, and after LeBron. So the Cavs went 17 and 65 before LeBron arrived. He gets to Cleveland, that win totaled more than doubles. And then he immediately leads them to playoff contention for the following seasons, right? We know all what happened with that first 10 in Cleveland. They never won a championship, but they got to the finals. It was impressive, blah, 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 right? And his last season with the Cavs in his second stint with them. So the last, the real last time he played with Cleveland, 50 and 32, they lose in the finals against the Kevin Durant and the Warriors, right? So long story short, before LeBron, they stink. With LeBron, perennial contenders, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The second LeBron leaves, the following season, they are 19 and 63. They go right back to being just... Just haggis, garbage. Thank you, Max, for the word haggis, by the way. So again, terrible without, amazing with. Clearly, LeBron is valuable, right? You go to the Michael Jordan side of things, right? The Bulls were 27 and 55 before MJ arrived. They made the playoffs his first year there, albeit they were below 500, but they made the playoffs. They went 62 and 20 and won their a championship. You know, the famous shot over Russell in game six. It wasn't a push off, who knows, um, to win the finals the last year MJ was there. He leaves, and they drop to an abysmal 13-37. I think it was a lockout year, which is why it's fewer, fewer games. 
So, oh, who's better at LeBron? Who's better at LeBron? There is a third person in this race that does not get talked about, and it is Zachary Jennings. And let me explain why. The year before Zach Jennings joins the Michigan State marching band, right? <laughs> Michigan football goes three and nine. If we're going by record, I looked this up. That's their worst season since going two and nine in 1982, right? Zach Jennings arrives. They immediately shift to 10 and three, win the Holiday Bowl. This continues throughout the Jennings era, as I have titled it, excluding the COVID year, right? Zach moves on from MSU. At, this is his first year after leaving the program, or program, as pronounced on the Pat McAfee show. And we all know this year turned out. Now, don't tell me this is a coincidence. Don't tell me it's a coincidence. I'm not going to say you're the sole reason that Michigan State succeeds as a football program, but I'm not going to not say that. So I want to hear, I want to hear both your takes on this. Jake, let's start with you. Zach, I think Zach's still gathering himself. Jake, what is your reaction to my 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 proposition here about Zach's role on the Michigan State marching band and how it affects the football team? You are absolutely correct. <laughs> I mean, that program was nothing before Zach Jennings arrived. I mean, he comes in. He turns everything around. At, at MSU is bowl eligible um, from 2017. Well, I mean, uh, what? Oh, yeah, no, they they stuck in 2016. Um, they're bowl eligible from 2017 to 2019. In 2021, they go to uh, the New Year's Six Bowl, uh, the the Peach Bowl down in Atlanta, which we attended. Uh, and yeah, I mean, with a run like that. I mean, it's there's only one common denominator, and, and that's Zach Jennings. I, I mean, wait, actually, not only were they bowl eligible the four years he was in the program, they I'm pretty sure they won they won three out of their full uh, out, out of their four bowls. I, I, I mean, like three and one. I mean, in the career of Zach Jennings, that's incredible. I mean, when I was at Michigan, Michigan was zero and four in the all of my years as a, a, a student there. Jake, that's a Jim Harbaugh problem. The guy can't win a bowl game right. for his life. Do not take credit for that. But all right, yeah. But, but I appreciate you bringing this up. Seriously, and this is not just a man with a tuba. I mean, Michael Jordan, this LeBron James, that Zach. What are your reactions, man? I had no idea that's where you were going with that. That was <laughs> the. First, I thought we were talking about basketball, and I was like, all right, let's go. I'm ready to give my goat. Who I think the goat is. Oh my gosh, that was I. That was so funny. I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't mean I'm not saying it's not me. I, I'm, <laughs> it is. It is a little crazy that you know the four years I'm in band is some of the best Spartan football we've had in a little bit. Isn't that ironic? A, a three and one bowl game, and we lost one. The bowl game we lost was by one point. I mean, clearly there's I, a variable. I, here. That was the funniest thing I've heard in a while. Thank you for saying that. Oh, Thank oh you for God. making it reality. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State won three out of the five years. I was at, wait, hang on. We won that year. We won 2017, 2020, and 2021. So. It's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good, I think. So three out of the six. Half the time I was there, we won. Which, I mean, if not for me, who knows? We'd probably be 0-6 maybe. Against Michigan. And we got this guy on the podcast, man. <laughs> Who would have thought? Guys, wow. that's pretty much 
all I have for us today. Any closing remarks, anything you guys want to bring up or discuss? Uh, I just want to say uh, that segment we did discussing TV shows, you guys are making me feel like I need to watch more TV because I haven't seen most of the shows that you talked about. So I will, I will try to get back into television. You know, I, 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 I guess maybe the next time uh, we'll reconvene. I hopefully I, I have some uh, uh, updates. You should Jake, but also don't feel pressured, man. You know, in the summers between like junior and senior year of high school, some people do productive things with their time. I watched a lot of TV, so I wouldn't feel bad about not having seen a bunch of sitcoms. But guys, this has been a ton of fun, and I really appreciate you guys coming on. We'll have to do it again sometime. And uh, and yeah, I appreciate your I appreciate your analysis, your content, and and everything in between. It was really just a good time, and uh, and yeah, thank you for having us. This was a dream of mine as well to be on here. I've I've watched every, I've listened to every episode, and to be here actually is a dream come true so thank you alex thank you so much man mm-hmm. really appreciate it it's been a long time, a time since i've been since i've podcasted so it was great to jump back into it hey we're gonna we're gonna get you and johnny back on here for a little crossover <laughs> with the driveway podcast yeah. don't think that's not gonna happen that's oh not my gonna God. Less. um but yeah right, thank well, you guys again thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time